is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. I am so starstruck and excited today to be able to have Hillary Carter, who's a food allergy advocate and food allergy mama. And I like that it's mama because she's a Southern girl, and I appreciate that. I make my kids call me the same. But anybody who's been anywhere around the food allergy community or food allergy advocacy already knows Hillary and all of the amazing work that she's been doing in and outside of FAIR. So thank you for that. I am so glad that you are here and I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Wow, that is a wonderful intro. You've already made my day and we haven't even started talking yet. So thank you so much. <laughs> it's an honor to be here. I love your podcast. And so I'm so excited to chat with you today. Well, I mean, there's only one PR person in the room here. I have no idea what I'm doing and I hope that I've gotten better at interviewing people as we've gone. But I like, I just already feel so connected with you. You grew up a dancer. I grew up a dancer. I don't know if you knew that about me. Um, you know, obviously the food allergy community is kind of a global connector between all of us here. And I'm just dying to hear your story, but I really, I feel like the version of your story that, that revolves around your kids who are obviously super important and we love them and they're amazing. Hi guys. Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to hear about you because you've really been through a lot and it's super traumatic uh, when anything happens to your kids and your kids have had some really, really big scares. So Tell me how it is that you entered into this kind of food allergy advocacy world and how it has affected you, because it's a lot. It's a lot. And I appreciate the opportunity to tell the story because I think as moms, as mamas, and yes, I am a Southern girl, I hold on to that, (laughs) even though I've been gone for 20 years. Um, As moms, it's so natural for us to just throw ourselves fully into our kids, especially if they're in crisis. Um, And so a whole lot of my story is actually falling apart and learning that I had to take care of myself too. So basically, as you alluded to, both of them have food allergies. So my boys now are eight and 10. My oldest has peanut, tree nut, chickpea, green pea, lentil allergies. And really he has food challenged out of every single tree nut except pistachio cashew, but we still say tree nuts because it's safer that way as people will understand. And I can tell My you as somebody with a tree nut allergy, you 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 bite into the anything that has that texture and it's terrifying. So like the idea of adding some nuts back in would be, I think my brain was challenged by that. <laughs> it's hard, you know, and this is one of those things where this is where I'm glad that we're here now and not 10 years ago because there yeah. are so many products that just didn't used to exist. So like there is an almond butter that is only manufactured in an almond facility. Same thing with a walnut, a pecan and so on. So there's options, but it does still feel scary. Yeah. My younger is a very different situation. He's peanut, tree nut, wheat, all gluten grains, dairy, egg, soy, banana, kiwi, mango, the legumes, latex, environment, terrible eczema, whole big, the whole thing, whole enchilada. His immune and system so, hates him. Yeah. Yeah. His immune system is very upset with him. And not for not trying. I mean, I, you know, I'm one of those moms who I feel like I really made a huge effort to do everything right. I've always eaten really, really well, as you alluded to with the dancing. I've always exercised and taken care of myself. I did prenatal vitamins. I breastfed. I gave birth naturally, all the things. And yet with my kids are, who are allergic to the earth. So all of that that you hear as a mother that makes you want to blame yourself or shame yourself, throw it out the window. Because our kids are just born this way because there's a global issue going on. So this is not about what you did. That's my first lesson. Um, And so 
when both my kids were born, they're two years and two days apart from each other. My oldest had eczema. Um, and in hindsight, I now realize he quit having eczema when I quit breastfeeding him and otherwise did not have any serious reactions. But we were under the old guidelines, which said, don't give your kids nuts until you're two. My kids. So we waited. Yeah. As so many of us did, we waited thinking we were doing the right thing. My youngest was born immediately headed to eczema, very, very different than the level that my older son had had. Very clear that something was not right, had colic, had reflux, all the things. I continuously asked pediatricians, could this be allergy? I was told no. You know, this is normal. This is baby. You're thinking too much about it, whatever. Well, Lo and behold, my youngest son, I gave him his first bite of banana, which is probably his fourth or fifth food. He had a full-blown anaphylactic reaction. He got very still. His mouth turned purple all the way down to his throat. And he's what, six months old or so? Six months old, yeah. Turned gray, eyes rolled back in his head, like full anaphylactic shock. And we we were not in this world yet. So I did not have an EpiPen. I did not know to call 911. I threw him in the car. Thank God our pediatrician was right around the corner. So I was with a doctor probably within 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. You went to the um, pediatrician, not the ER. I did. I didn't know because yeah. I, we, we, we were not in this world yet. Um, and again, you know, thinking that angels must've been looking over us because they were closing for lunch. They were like locking the door when I walked in and I said, something is very wrong. My child's having an allergic reaction. I need help. And to make a long story short, he ended up with two doses of epinephrine as a six-month-old, plus all the other drugs, the antihistamines, the albuterol, the oxygen, Steroid. he went to the emergency room, all the things, the whole thing. And that moment was really when my life changed forever, because I just remember the physical, my own physical reaction to watching him in this trauma and really, really thinking I was going to lose my child to banana. That is a really hard thing to accept and to wrap your head around. And I remember that physical sensation of every bone in my body and every muscle, everything just tightening. And what I realized years later is I think that I stayed in that hyper tense place for years. And I think that's really common. And so, you know, to get through the allergy stuff, basically, obviously we then went to an allergist. Obviously we then did blood work. It came back positive for everything. And so over the years, we've been really working through this, um, finding the right allergist, which was not the first one. (laughs) It's never the first one. Um, And doing all the testing and trying to get through oral food challenges and treating the eczema and treating the asthma and all the things. And it's just been this really big, long journey. And we're now in a really wonderful place eight years later, but it has been a lot of work. Um, And it's been a lot of stress, a lot of stress and a lot of learning and educating and pivoting and accepting and all the things. Um, So I can tell you now we're at a really happy, great, strong place, including me personally, but it's been, it's been a lot. So I think one of the things that people don't really understand is that even though you know what you're allergic to or what your kids are allergic to, at some point you have to put food in your mouth and there's never any telling what's going to cause a reaction. So that stress, which I mean, I take on for me, but you take on for your kids, 
and to some degree, I'm sure that they have some anxiety about eating as well, but that stress is all the time. It's not just the first reaction. It's not just going through the testing and diagnostic and oral food challenge and figuring out what's what, because there can always be a change and there can always be something in something that you weren't expecting, which you've gone through as well. I know um, that stress is, is truly constant. I mean, we have to eat every day. Right. And I think that's something that as I, you know, have really gotten further and further into advocacy is, is one of my big messages I try to relay is, you know, it's not like, it's, it's such an irony that the treatment right now is avoidance. Well, guess what? We can't avoid all food. Like we have to eat. Not only do we have to eat to be strong and healthy and productive. We have to eat to live. I mean, we have to eat to live, but then you look at eating as a huge part of our culture and birthday celebrations and holidays and, you know, Sunday brunch and like all the ways that food is so ingrained into our lives. So when you are a food allergy family, all of that, every single piece of it, three times a day, every day has stress with it. And so it's just figuring out over time how to manage that. And so much of that for me has been education. And that is really understanding what food allergy is, what my kids are allergic to, which brands are safe. And then also putting in so many practices that sort of protect us. So what you mentioned, things can change, like reading labels three times every time, because so many products change their labels. And also having an understanding that if you are eating something that is manufactured outside of your home, there's always going to be like this teeny tiny amount of risk. And like, how do you manage that in your day-to-day life? Um, And trusting is huge. Trusting you know, that's another thing that's so interesting about food allergy. We rely on other people to keep us safe, which is tough. So you're expecting whoever's cooked your food to get it and to have used fresh utensils and a fresh counter space and understand cross contact and read the labels on their end or, you know, down to when you need epinephrine and knowing that whoever's with you will give it to you. And there's so many nuances and so There's I, it's literally trainers sitting here on my desk. I love this it. Exact purpose. I love it. Yeah. They're in my purse, they're everywhere. <laughs> yes. And so I think, you know, what's, what's crazy about food allergy is that first year or two, I would say is super overwhelming. Now the positive side of that is that there is so much amazing information. Now we are so far ahead of where we were even 10 years old, not 10 years eight years ago when we were getting into this world, um, the resources are available to you. So, I mean, your podcast is a huge example of this. Like you can hear from other food allergy experts or advocates. You can feel community. Community is huge. You can go to FAIR and you can learn anything you want to know about food allergy is going to be there. There's so many patient advocacy groups. There's so many people doing incredible work. There's all of the opportunity to find out about products. You can call the company, you can go to Spoken, you can go to Snack Safely. We have these resources. It's just, it takes the time to work through the process and get yourself sort of onboarded with what this means. Yeah, it's so different than not being a food allergy person because none of those types of research or, or reading or uh, resources are necessary if you right. don't have food allergies. And, and this is the biggest frustration. I mean, that's really what we do at Certistar, right, is try to make it so that food allergy people and not food allergy people have as close as an experience as they possibly can. Because, I mean, everybody likes to go out and eat. 
everybody wants to go have fun with their families and their friends and not have to have a super stressful experience, right? And having to do all of those things, having to have all of that vigilance all the time is just exhausting. It is exhausting. And so I think what has been my personal mission through my experience is you have to find a way to balance that. If you're a food allergy mom or you're a food allergy dad, again, my kids are young. So they're starting to come into this world where they're starting to own it more and more. But so far, it's been my job to do this for them. And I think there's you know so many of us out there. And then we look at the adults like yourself with food allergies and you're, you know this as well. This is a reality. This yeah. is, you know, this is what it is. And so it's, how can I educate myself and get myself ready to handle this? Then how am I going to balance that stress? Because you have to find a way to be able to shut it off. You have to find a way to be able to like disassociate from it now and then, and to find the joy and find the peace and find the normal life so that you do feel like it's part of your life, but not your whole life. And how do you do that? Well, first of all, I love therapy. <laughs> I'll be really honest. Um, I you're, uh, So basically what, what happened to me is my kids were diagnosed and, you know, we were working through the whole thing for years and, and, and figuring it out. And then all of a sudden I woke up one morning and this is all on my, on my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't go into the entire long story, but I basically woke up one morning and I couldn't feel my arms and legs. And it was very, very scary and disconcerting um, and spent several months trying to figure out what was going on, you know, all the way down to like millions of MRIs and spinal taps and like really crazy, scary things. What ultimately it came down to is that I found a functional medicine doctor after we knocked off all of the really bad, scary possibilities, which took months, mm-hmm. who diagnosed me with an autoimmune issue, which really was a big nothing. What it really came down to was I was stressed all the time. And my body just said, you're done. We're done. We can't do you this. Need to take a rest. Yeah. You are running on like crazy levels of cortisol all day, every day. Um, and that's just not going to work. And it was a really huge eye opener for me because again, I've always been someone who considered myself to be very healthy. I exercise all the time. I eat really well. I thought I was sleeping. Like I'm not someone who is not taking care of myself, but I wasn't taking care of myself in the right way. I wasn't allowing myself to breathe. You know, you hear about, I don't know if you actually have heard this, but I learned through this process, you get in bed at night and try to actually relax your body. What I was realizing is like, there's the bed. And I think I was like an inch above it. Like I wouldn't actually (laughs) uncoil, you know, like my body was just Mm -hmm. bracing for that next reaction all the time. And so it took about a year and it really was my goal for that year. While of course, still taking care of my kids, but I found a therapist. I started doing physical therapy I started going to yoga, which I've always done, but not, I did more yoga, less crazy cardio. Um, I just re-looked at how we lived our lives. Um, Spent a lot of time talking about acceptance, which I don't think I had fully done. Um, I think a lot of us as, as women in particular have these great grand expectations about what things are supposed to look like. And then we kill ourselves trying to get there. When in the reality, why do we have these expectations anyway? You know, nobody knows what the future is and worrying about the future is anxiety. 
and that is stress. And so I really had this big moment where I decided I'm not going to think about what my life would be like without food allergies anymore, because that's not my reality. I'm not going to, you know, go back and worry about what I could have done differently because that's shaming myself and that serves no purpose. And I know I did everything the best that I could. Um, So acceptance was like a really big part of it. And just being, not worrying about, oh, I wish I could go on vacations like my friends are doing, or I wish I could just take my kids out to dinner after church or whatever. Like, you know, that's not our world. And so, so much of that inner fight with myself about, I wish I wish letting that go was probably the most important part of my healing. And the second thing that I learned through all of that work was boundaries and just being really, really comfortable. And my family and I in this time, my husband and I mostly, because I don't say bad words in front of my kids, of course, but we came up with this mantra and our family mantra, family mantra is, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And all of us live I by would that. not shame you for saying bad words in front of your kids, just so you know. I'm, well, thank you. We'll pretend. <laughs> That's the only one they've heard, I'm sure. But like, that was really different for us because I'm an only child. My husband is one of three. We're very close to our families. We have extended, big extended friend groups. We love to socialize. We had a lot of commitments and we realized that a lot of them were not serving us and that constantly explaining our food allergies and constantly bringing our own food and dealing with people who didn't get it and over scheduling ourselves so that we didn't have the downtime to rest. None of that was serving us. And so really having a real big conversation about the four of us being the priority and what do we need to be successful and healthy and picking, you know, one or two things that are special that we want to do, say like a week, like we'll go out on a date night or maybe we'll see some friends one night, but like, we're not, it's not an everyday all day thing. You know, a lot of our family time is spent on what keeps us healthy. What has been the response from, for that? What has been the response to that from friends and family that you're now saying no to who I, I always feel when I say no to things, like I have to justify it. Yeah. So I want to, I'm just going to go ahead and be really honest and say that my therapist was a woman named Christina Young. And she actually now, she still does therapy, but she really runs a lot of parenting groups and she really focuses on, you know, parenting tools. And so you can actually find her on Instagram and you can find all of her brilliant knowledge. So I don't claim this as my own, Um, but there's a couple of things that she taught me. One is that with setting a boundary, you are going to probably let somebody down but you're going to be protecting yourself. And that's really important to do, especially when. I really struggle with, with this. It's really hard. I'm not saying any of this is easy. Like this is yeah. you know, years past this and, and it's still not, you don't, you don't want to let anybody down. I think again, this is a woman thing too. We are so trained that we need to please and everybody. take care of everybody else. Well, guess what? There's only so much like energy in my body on a day-to-day basis. I cannot be all things to all people. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm rude. It doesn't mean I just say, no, bye-bye. But I will just say, you know, thank you so much for that invitation to dinner on Sunday. We have a really busy weekend and we're just not going to be able to make it. But I appreciate you thinking of us. Um, And another piece of it to the explaining part, which I I still will do, I can't help myself. Um, But I learned that like, no is actually an answer. And I do think that's really important in the food allergy community as well. 
especially when you're talking about protecting not only your physical body and what you eat that's safe for you, but also your mental space and what you can handle. Sometimes no is just an answer. No, thank you. No, no. And the piece of that is that a non-food allergy family is just never going to fully understand what we go through. And so I can try as an advocate and as a mom to explain But if I'm not going to get through, then I'm just not going to spend the energy on it. So I would say to answer your question, like our close family and our close friends fully respect it and fully understand it. And I would say we have more quality time with people because it's like a treat and that's awesome. Then, you know, we're just real clear about where we spend our time. Um, And we're kind to everyone. I mean, I, it has nothing to do with anybody else. It's just how much energy do I have? And when it's gone, it's gone. So how do I make sure I'm putting energy back in? And for me, that's rest and that's exercise. And that is a walk with my husband. And that is snuggling and watching a movie with my boys. It's reading a really good book that like makes my brain happy. Filling it back up instead of constantly draining it. And when you're dealing with chronic illness in a home, it's really easy to just be drained all the time. All the time, yeah. And I think- Totally hear that. Yeah. And I think, you know, as women, we also fact, and I keep repeating this because it's so true. We feel guilty taking mm-hmm. care of ourselves. We feel like, oh, there's no way I could say to my family on a Saturday, guys, I'm really tired. I'm going to go take a nap. I mean, oh my gosh, no way. Can you imagine? Or, you know, no, I really would like my husband to take my kids to school because I really want to get on the Peloton. Like, it's hard for us to, to take that Peloton human too. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Um, And you know, nobody come at me about the recall. I already know. Okay. Oh, and guess what? I'm keeping mine. Thank you. I'm keeping mine too. I I might decide on the very last day to send it back. We'll see, but (laughs) I'm keeping it. I have a little fence around it. I built like a 18 inch fence. You did? That's mostly for the dogs. I mean, the kids are old enough. Yeah. Mine is like actually up against the wall backwards. So they can't even get back there anyway. And we turn it off. off. I know that would suck. But at least it would be me and mom, not my kids. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we have our four-digit code and it's not going back. They know not to get involved. But anyway, <laughs> um, we digress. But, you know, I it's just been a lot. But I again, like if, if there's somebody out there listening, if this is resonating, just don't be afraid. I think you have to ask for help. And it may be therapy. It may be, you know, renegotiating in the home who has what job. It may be a girlfriend, maybe another food allergy mom, maybe your allergist. But this is not something that you can do by yourself. On the topic of being really bad at taking care of yourself and feeling guilty about it. Mm -hmm. One of the things I asked for from my kids for Christmas was a coupon book of moms allowed to go work out today, essentially, which they found very confusing that I needed. Yeah. Right. Because of course you can go work out if you want to. And I'm like, but I feel bad about it. I feel like I'm taking time away from them. And yeah. so they made me a coupon book of, of workout times it had nothing to do with being for them. It was all for my own mental, like, Oh, it's okay. Because they gifted me this. Yes. Not and it's so, okay because it's something that I need to take for myself. That you need to do. Look, you found a way to do it. And so I think that's an awesome idea and whatever you have to do to give yourself permission and give yourself grace, I say, go for it. Right. But I tell myself, which helps. And I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I still, I go with it. <laughs> is that I hope I'm setting an example, right? So 
right now they're eight and 10 and they're boys. And this would go for either gender, but that's just what I have. And so my goal is that right now I make a really big deal of talking about how mommy and daddy, we take time to take care of ourselves. And we also take time to take care of our, of our marriage. And, you know, we, we go to date nights, obviously like once in the last year and a half because of COVID, (laughs) but they know that we put some priority on that. And my hope is not that they say, wow, I'm selfish. My hope is that by modeling the behavior as they get older, they have it in their brain that it's normal for them to say, I need to exercise so that my body is strong. And I need to go to bed at a good time because it makes my brain grow and it helps me recover. And I have a big day tomorrow. And you know what? We've been out all weekend and I'm not going to go to that last barbecue. I'm going to go home and just like watch a cat, you know, movie and veg. I want to model that behavior of like listening to yourself and what do you need and how do you take care of yourself? So if that helps, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's how I say, you know what, I'm mommy's going to go do a 30 minute Peloton and then we're going to go kick the soccer ball, you know, and I'm still dedicating an enormous amount of time to them. My entire career is now focused on them. Yep. I love them with my whole heart, but I'm a better mom if I can just have these little breaks that fill my cup. Yeah. And this, I mean, all of this is true, whether you're a food allergy family or not, but having that extra stress, having that extra layer just makes it all that much more important. And that's true of any, to your point, chronic illness, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And really any, any parent food allergy, chronic illness or not, you know, parenting in and of itself is a lot. So take time for yourself as well. Who's your favorite instructor? On Peloton. Okay. Well, if we're talking bike, it's Cody. Me Love too. him. Love his music. It's because you're a former dancer too. Like it's just, <laughs> everything is to the music and it's all awesome. And I love, it's like watching a show. Um, and on the tread, I really, really love Rebecca Kennedy. Also former dancer, also amazing music. She has really inspirational sort of commentary as she's going. I'm an Adrian girl on the tread. Oh. All, all Adrian all the time. I do love Selena though. She's pretty I amazing. Know. I like just saying her name, Selena Samuela. I know. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was born in Italy, but the way that, you know, I mean, she's got a totally American accent, but then she's all, I'm Selena Samuela. Like, How do you do that? It sounds so good. And you know what she says a lot that I love is she'll say, it's only 15 seconds of your life. It's only 30 seconds of your life. And I think that's so, such a good tangible point for any time you're going through something hard, yeah. you know, whether it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes or two days or whatever, like it's finite. Make it through this yeah. moment. Yes. Well, and Adrian. He, I don't know if you've ever taken any of his classes and I don't know how we ended up talking so much about Peloton. We'll get off of it, but he talks about take an emotional lap. Like, yes, take a moment to deal with the stuff that you're feeling and then let's get back to work. Totally. Absolutely. You have to feel it, get through it and then get out of it. Right. Totally. I love it. So going back to food allergies, there's something that I find as an underlying frustration kind of all the time, especially with the big organizations and food allergy. And I'm sure, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's why I'm asking. The focus on top eight or nine, nine now, I find to be incredibly frustrating. I don't have a, my thesaurus is not at hand. I don't have another word for it, but I feel unheard. I feel like my other allergies outside of those top are not important, don't matter, and no one's ever going to care about them. How, how do we make, and it's the reason Certistar works the way it works. 
how do we make other people with allergies outside feel important? Your kids have allergies outside too. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And I've heard you, I've, I've listened to so many episodes of your podcast. I love it. And I know you have a pork allergy, is, which I'm sure is a of mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a tricky one. And we do too. So mm-hmm. my like, there's just such day, focus on the top things. And yes. it's like, and it's really, it's really, it's not only frustrating, but it's also kind of scary because, so we have legume allergies, both my boys. And that to me has been kind of a nightmare because yeah. now there's this huge movement, which is a good movement to get away from beef and to think yeah. and really, you know, all, all meat, the plant, plant-based about, stuff is totally legume yes, All the plant-based stuff and the environment and yep. all of that is great and healthy and important. But now it means that there's freaking pea protein in everything. Without any of the labeling requirements. Right. And so I've even had something like gluten-free pretzels that was a safe brand forever, all of a sudden threw in some pea protein. And I'm like, what are you doing and why? So it's really scary. I hear you. There's there's not even so much as like a recipe change note that goes on the packaging and it's not folded and called out. And especially, I know, you know, like. And it can go right into that spices or natural flavors or whatever. Exactly. Literally exactly what I was going to say. And so that's really hard. And then, you know, Grayson, my youngest also deals with like a tropical fruit allergy. So banana, kiwi, mango. And so all of like kids' fruit snacks, you know, most of them have like some mango or banana and we can't do it. So it's incredibly frustrating. I would say this, Um, in my experience, mostly with fair I would not say they don't care. I would say it has to be like priorities and what can we get to first? And like the list is so long, as you know, of all the things that need to change. Um, I feel like when, when we spend so much effort on getting sesame in the top nine, as an example, yeah, it, maybe I'm oversimplifying the problem, but forcing a labeling change to make all food labeled accurately, as opposed to let's add one more, it doesn't feel like that much of a jump so that then we have to start over from scratch to then add corn or whatever the case may be. Everybody has to redo their labels anyway. Why not go after let's stop the loopholes as opposed to let's add this one more food to the list of things you have to disclose? Absolutely. I know with this, this new faster, there's no accusation in there against anybody. It's just, I totally, I totally know. Right. Like why, why do we focus on one? Absolutely. And there's just a huge issue across the board, which is that we should get to know what we're eating. Right. I don't think that's that. Allergies are not. (laughs) You should know what you're putting in your body. And so I hear you and I'm with you a hundred percent, even, even just from a health perspective, like why isn't everything that's in this labeled correctly? And why don't we know what else is manufactured at the facility? And who decides how clean something is before you add may contain or not, or whatever labeling you choose to do, which is voluntary. It's incredibly frustrating. I would just say this, like all of us, and I say this all the time, need to use our voices, right? I know you're using yours, obviously, But this is where the people at home who are listening, if you're looking for some way to get involved, this is a huge issue. Write to your local legislators, write to FAIR, write to all of the organizations that work on this. Because really, I have always felt pretty pretty good about the fact that they're doing the work that they're responding to the need. Um, And this is on the rise. And yes, there's a top nine, but then there's whatever it is, 
Jeez, 161 after that allergies. (laughs) Like, so excuse me. See, this is environmental allergies. You wonder where it all comes from. Um, We have to just keep using our voice and we have to keep asking for change. Yeah. I love it. It's amazing the the work that you're doing. So on this topic, I almost forgot. I've been away from my list of questions because we've That's just because been talking. That's because we're having so much fun. Which is a good thing. <laughs> but tell me all about the new YouTube series that you're doing uh, with FAIR, right? Yeah. So thank you so much for asking. This is such a um, silver lining of COVID. Um, so they they have known fair has known um that the whole world was you know going digital and they've had a really wonderful website for a long time and had been doing some digital content but when the world really sort of shut down a year and a half ago realized we've got to put everything on video this is how we're going to stay in touch with our community this is how we're going to continue to educate and we can't have events and really um invested in this really phenomenal digital team production team um and so started off with the My Food Allergy Story series. And there's a whole lot of people, including you, right? You're mm-hmm. on it, yep. telling our stories. Um, and so I did that and it was tough, but but good. Um, and that was successful. And then uh, just was talking to Jonathan Kane, who runs basically the whole production unit and chatting about my background in PR and in media and we were just like, we want to keep working together. And we just sort of like rubbing, you know, rubbing our hands. They're like, what can we do? Um, so we went away and I, I thought about it for a couple of days. And I sort of had this epiphany on a walk, which is when I tend to have my moments. Um, and I said, you know, I'm really, I'm really interested in talking to other people. I There are so many other advocates out there doing amazing work in so many different ways. And something that I love that I've seen in my life and I've seen in other parents' lives, other people's lives, is that pivot. Pivots are huge. And the successful people that I see are the ones who are able to make a course correction change and say, oop, I hit a wall here. I'm going to take a hard right. Or this, you know, food allergy is coming yep. into my life. And so I'm going to grab it and I'm going to run with it. And we're going to make this better. Um, and so I love that story and sort of that arc, especially of the food allergy parent who, you know, has this come into their lives with their child and uses their previous professional background towards food allergy advocacy in so many different ways. So I really wanted to tell that story. So I pitched this concept to him and I said, you know, this, we also can offer tips for people at home, how they can get involved. Cause I've met hundreds of newly diagnosed families and they all say, I want to get involved, but I just, I just don't know how. And the reality is there's a million different ways that you can get involved. Um, And this is such a welcoming, really strong community that feels so good to be a part of. So I want, I want to, I want to bring people in, you know? Um, And so Jonathan loved it and being the producer that he is immediately was like, Oh, we should call it take action. And I was like, yes. And so we were off and sort of within like a couple of weeks, we, you know, agreed on the first season interviews and did it all at home via Zoom and really, really appreciate everyone who has watched. We've had great, great viewership and support. And so we very quickly shot season two, which we're in the middle of right now. So um, four of my seven interviews have dropped already. So you can find all of them at the livingtealchannel.com or if you go to YouTube, search Living Teal Channel. Um, and it's also all on my site as well. If you want to find it easily, hillarytollcarter.com. 
but it's just, it's extraordinary to share other people's journeys and take all the lessons from it. Um, I'm, I'm inspired every day by these people. It's, it's a gift. I know the feeling. Yeah, <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it is amazing. And so the other Look, I have all these questions. I worked so hard on my questions. We did not get through them. But one of the things that we talk about quite a bit, particularly with food allergy parents, is how you prepare your kids to advocate for themselves. So you mentioned earlier that your kids are kind of just now getting to that age where they're starting to own it a bit. How do you teach them enough that you feel comfortable with them being without you, even in small chunks of time where there might be food involved? Sure. It's such a great question. And it's so important. And it's such a huge part of being a food allergy parent. So I would go back to the first thing being that modeling. So modeling the behavior they've seen from the beginning that I ask questions and I read labels and I read labels again, and I call companies and I won't ever leave them anywhere without giving that parent or their babysitter um, an AviQ or an EpiPen lesson that you know, we only eat our own safe food. They know not to eat something that I didn't provide. Um, they know all the protocols. They've just—it's just been ingrained in our process, really, from as far it's back as they can remember. It's their normal. So the rules are really clear. This is, you know, food allergy is not a gray area. It's black or white. How you live with this, and so um, that they know. So that is comforting. Then, as they're getting older, instead of me saying to, you know, their doctor at the checkup, their pediatrician at the checkup, or my older guy, you know, it is safe for him to eat at some restaurants. So instead of me listing his allergens, I have him do it. Um, and it's just giving them that practice. And then we have, we have sort of like fire drills at home, right? Like we'll be at dinner and I'll say, okay, guys, let's talk about food allergies. Let's just do a check-in. And I'll have, I'll say, Owen, what are your list of allergies? And he'll tell me, Grayson, what are your lists? We'll talk about it. What is our emergency action plan? If you're feeling, you know, these symptoms, what do you do? And, you know, if you're feeling any of these symptoms, you always tell a teacher and like we sort of role play a little bit. That's been really helpful for us um, so that they're not having to say it for the first time to a stranger. I think that's really huge. Um, and then just making sure uh, that they are learning to listen to their gut. That's really important for me. Um, if something feels unsafe, whether it is a play date at somebody's house and, you know, the mom or dad is eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or whether it is, you know, I want them to try a new sport, but I don't, I mean, I don't know what the example is, but to listen to themselves. And if something really feels unsafe to speak up about it and to say, you know what, I want to call my mom or this doesn't feel right for me. And that's a fine line because you don't want them to have fear and anxiety to not try new things. But I do want them, I think listening to your inner voice is huge and knowing where you feel safe and where you don't is huge. So just trying to help them learn how to do that. And how do you feel about that? How do you feel, how do you get to a place where you feel comfortable or does that anxiety kind of never go away? My mom even talks about this, right? Where if she can't get in touch with me for a day or two, she's panicking. She's freaking out. It's not just yeah. being, you know, busy as an adult and not really paying attention to her calling me. It's, you know, in her mind, I've had an anaphylactic reaction and I'm home by myself and nobody's ever going to find me. Right. Yeah. I think that's every mother ever. Right. I yeah. mean, even if you don't have food allergies, I think okay. if I go a few days without talking to my mom, I get the text, like, are you okay? <laughs> she took me for my COVID vaccine and stood over me with the EpiPen in her hand. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, the mothering never ends of course. Um, 
You know, look, I'm she not a really she took beautiful. Three, she had three EpiPens. Oh my God. She was like, I'm ready. ready. I got them all. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good mom. Um, <laughs> I'm at a beautiful place with my kids because we're past the toddler phase where it's like the physical parenting is, is so exhausting and you're, you know, carrying from through life, but we're not at the teenage place yet. Mm-hmm. So they are still at a place where they are almost always with me or at school or with a very small trusted circle of families or with my babysitter who I'm very blessed to have had basically since birth. And so she's like a member of the family. So there isn't a whole lot of independence yet. So ask me again in a couple of years, I'll probably <laughs> I'm gonna hold you have to a that. different answer. But I do think, you know, I do know, like they will probably get phones earlier than I otherwise would have allowed because yeah. I just want them to be able to call me or 911. There will probably be some pretty strict, you know, guidelines in place that like, if I text you, you have to text me back. You can say, busy mom, let me know you're alive, you know? Um, but we thankfully, blissfully haven't gotten there yet, but we're, we're, we're one day at a time, right? Right. That's exactly it. It's always that way. It's just stressful days for us, isn't it? Yes. So tell everybody where they can connect with you online to listen to the, uh, the YouTube series with FAIR or to connect with you in general, to see some of your advocacy work, all the things. Oh, thank you. So my website is really the home base of everything and it's hillarytollcarter.com. On there, I have a blog, I have recipes, my YouTube series, my previous media work, all the stuff with Bear. So that's home base. Um, I am on all social media, but I really spend most of my time on Instagram. So reach out to me at hillarytollcarter there. Um, And then, like I said, everything... Everything you need for food allergy information, if you're looking for new digital content, it's on FarrisNewLivingTealChannel.com, including my series, Take Action. Perfect. All right. So as you know, I like to wrap all these up with two truths and a lie. And we've had a lot of conversation today. So I'll be surprised if you haven't ratted yourself out on at least one of them. But <laughs> so you're going to give us two, two true things about yourself and one less than true thing in no particular order. And we are not going to tell our dear, lovely listeners which one is not true. If you want to know, listeners, which one it is, then you'll have to come to us on social media or on your favorite podcast platform. Hillary, take it away. All right. Well, we've been talking about food allergies, so I'll start with food. My very favorite food is Mexican food, which is a gift because that's one the one set of allergens my kids don't have. <laughs> um, number two, I was in a Disney movie when I was in high school. And number three, you mentioned that I'm a former dancer, which is true, but uh, I am also a really good singer. So you'll have to see what is true and what is not. (laughs) I like it. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Listeners, thanks for sticking around. As always, this has been the Shandyland Podcast, and we will talk to you soon. (laughs) 